Welcome to the Working Spouse Club, the podcast for today's professional military spouse. Join your host, Joanna DeMott, CEO of Green Zone Corporate Training, and Catherine Prince, founder and principal recruiter at The Spouse Solution, as we embark on a mission to challenge stereotypes, celebrate accomplishments, and provide a roadmap to professional success for military spouses. Each episode features inspiring guests who have successfully balanced their careers with the demands of military life. Expect candid conversations, humorous anecdotes, and valuable insights that will leave you feeling motivated and validated. Welcome to the Working Spouse Club with Catherine Prince and Joanna DeMott. How are you doing today, Catherine? I'm awesome, Joanna. How are you? I'm really tired. I, uh, I'm old, but I decided I still want to play volleyball. So I was up late last night playing volleyball and we won. Uh, my team's name oh. is, is kind of funny. It's Joanna Stuggs and Joanna Stuggs won last <laughs> night. Great victory, but I'm extremely, extremely tired today. Uh, but I appreciate you asking. I'm going to make it through this interview because it's, it's, it's going to be a good one. Audience, listen up. Uh, I'm so excited about our guest today. Beth Conlon is a technology business development professional for Amazon and Army Spouse a powerhouse military spouse advocate, a stand to veteran leadership program scholar, a national advocate for SOFA reform, and so much more. She is recognized as a subject matter expert on military spouse employment challenges and opportunities. I've only scratched the surface and I'm looking forward to hearing so much more. How are you today, Beth? I am well, thank you. I am tired as well, but um, not that I played volleyball because I did entirely too many lunges and my glutes hurt so bad. I couldn't sleep and it hurts to sit. So... <laughs> That's the worst when you're like, I don't want to go to the bathroom. It's hard to just get down on the <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. These January fitness goals are really kicking my ass in the most literal sense right now. So amazing. Well, we always start um, each episode by asking the same question. Beth, when you were little, what did you want to be when you grew up? I, this is so, I first wanted to be an attorney until I apprenticed with an attorney and realized that was terrible. And so then I just generically wanted to be a CEO. In whatever little girl brain fashion that meant, I just wanted to be the leader. Yes. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Were you told that you were bossy when you were a kid? All the time. Um, and I, I love, I don't have children, but I love now that my friends who have children say things like, my daughter is very strong-willed that is going to serve her well later on. And I'm like, where was that? My whole life, I was like, you're bossy or aggressive or a know-it-all. And I'm like, yes, yes, and yes, because move out of the way and let me do it. Um, so fun anecdote really quickly. Uh, my mom, when I was like six or seven, I was called the B word for the first time. And I went home and I told her about it and she said, Catherine, that's amazing. And I was like, what? And she was like, do you know what that means? Being in total control of herself. And that's how I was raised. So I was raised by that super feminist mom, single mom. And let me tell you, I grew up thinking like, woo, I could do things. And it served me so well. So for all the moms out there who are raising little girls and telling them that they are not bossy, but assertive and, you know, they're taking care of themselves and their needs first. And that's okay. You guys are going to raise little rock stars. I love that. And, you know, in the military circles, we love a good acronym. So I think we should start to publicize that one. <laughs> so if you see me being in control, total control of myself, that's uh, that's me being a bitch. Beth, I am so curious. And of course I stalked you on LinkedIn and I've been following you on LinkedIn for a very, very long time because of the important work that you do. And the validating things that you say on that platform and so much more. But can you tell us a little bit about your career path? Yes. So 
you know, it, like Catherine asked what I wanted to be when I grew up, it was, you know, eventually the CEO. So that was my mindset after I left college. I would just wanted to go with whatever Fortune 500 I could find that was going to put me on a path to that success. So I started right out of college with a big Fortune 500 and within the first year was promoted. Within that second year was given a team to run. I was 22 and my youngest employee was 47. He had literally been in the business longer than I had been alive. Um, but I was luckily in a company that just they fostered like leadership. Um, and so I was intimidated, but quickly kind of outgrew that. And that's then when I met my husband. Um, I was working in Seattle. He was stationed at Fort Lewis. And this is how little I knew about the military. Like when people say those ignorant comments of like, well, you knew what you signed up for. Mm. This man, we go out to dinner and he tells me he went to West Point. And I dead ass looked him in the face and said, West of where? <laughs> I had not a clue we had a military academy. And then I couldn't wrap my brain around, like, you went to school for army? Like, what does that mean? Like, did you get, did you get like a real, like, did you get real knowledge or just army? Anyway, so I knew nothing. And um, as, shortly after we met, he PCS to Fort Benning and I was not going to go with him because I was trying to be the CEO. And then he PCS again, and then he deployed. And so all the while, we just maintained our relationship for five years long distance, because again, I'm not going to be the CEO following you around everywhere, right? Um, it, it was, he came back from a deployment and he asked me to come to the welcome home ceremony, which Catherine, I know you're a new military spouse, but for all the other might be military spouses, don't go because they are so emotional. And so like, you haven't seen your person in who knows how many months and maybe you didn't have great communication and then the army over dramatizes everything like they have like a smoke machine and they kick the doors open and thunderstruck by acdc is playing and then you're trying to look through the smoke and all the service members look the same and then you find your person that you haven't seen in my case in 10 months um and so i run down from the bleachers i give him a hug and he says will you move in with me and without thinking i was like absolutely so I tell my boss at the time, I had been with my company for five years. I was on a track. I said, I don't know what to do. And my boss, this sweet little Polish man, he said, is this your perfect someone? And I was like, I don't know what that has to do with me being the CEO. And he said, if, is this your perfect someone? Yes or no. And I said, well, yeah, I think so. And he said, if this is your perfect someone, you have to go. You will always be able to find your perfect job. And so what I like respect that mindset. I think that's so sweet. So I left, but then I started my um, unique to me career journey as a military spouse, going from C-suite to personal trainer, um, to doing marketing for small businesses, PCS to Hawaii, decided to go to grad school while also working full time. So when people are like, did you love Hawaii? I'm like, no. I worked 40 hours a week and went to grad school at night and weekends. <laughs> like, no, it was not fun. Um, PCS to Rhode Island and kind of took an odd job with a recruiting firm and then got back in with a Fortune 500. And they said, I, you know, I warned them, hey, I might be going overseas. I don't want to, like, I thought this was my in. I'm back in with a Fortune 500. If I can just figure out how to stay here, I'm, I'm golden. Um, and they told me, you can work from the moon. We don't care. So I thought I've done it, you know, after five years of job hopping and having just career that made no sense, I thought, okay, this is my path to being that CEO again. This is going to be great. And then we PCS to Germany and that started my 
mission to burn down the status of forces agreement, which I will cover for the audience in a second, because um, as we were getting our orders settled, I told my employer, I'm not going as an expat, I'm going on SOFA status. And my employer said, okay, but if you also have a work visa, does that violate your SOFA status? And I said, I don't know. And so I asked every JAG officer, every attorney, every DOD official I could find, they said, show me in the SOFA where it says I can't work. And all I was told was, it doesn't say you can, so you can't. And so I had no choice but to give up a six-figure Fortune 500 job again um, if I wanted to move to Germany and remain with my service member, which is what I did. So I, I will pause there. I want to make sure that the West Point Alumni Association doesn't come after us. So, so please don't come for us, West Point. Uh, the U.S. Military Academy is an amazing opportunity offering a top-notch education. Just, just want that alumni group is very I now I support you Joanna in saying that I now know that and I, I happily go to every army navy game I can if we're in the states so and beat navy is a tagline during army navy week as well so in full support and I also know actually physically where West Point is now as well so good but that being said burning down the status force agreement is extremely important for military spouses to be able to continue that that employment journey whatever that is I mean, not everybody comes from the C-suite, but I know having experienced overseas life twice and not being able to keep my job with a Fortune 500, I feel that and I really respect what you're trying to do. I'm just, I need explanation because I'm hearing this for the first time. Again, newish spouse. I Again, I told uh, Beth before we started recording, I'm in denial or I was, and now I'm just figuring everything out. And so I... Beth, there's no way that, cause you're talking about like things that happened in the 1800s. There's no way, no, there's no way that this is still an active thing that's happening, that military spouses cannot work when they go overseas, when they are forced to go overseas with their spouses. So I need to, everyone to fill me in and then um, somebody like get some water to cool down my pitchfork over here uh, because this is insane. Yeah, so let, I'll give the high-level overview of what all this is and why this has been a problem. So the Status of Forces Agreement, or the SOFA, is a peacetime treaty that's put in place when there is a presence of U.S. soldiers. So think post-World War II, when we started establishing bases all across Europe and in Asia. Okay, so late 40s. Um, so the Status of Forces Agreements were put in place for the legal protection of our service members. That was their intent. They were never intended to have any language around families. Now, here's the complication. I, I tend to easily go down a rabbit hole because I've been trying to burn this thing down for a decade, so I know way too much. But status of forces agreement have to be agreed upon by the two countries, so the U.S. and the host nation. Let's just say Germany. They have to agree on the terms of that, um, or that peacetime treaty. Then it has to be ratified by the Senate. Once that is done, it is a State Department-owned peacetime treaty that is managed by the DOD. So it is a tri-agency dual country agreement. That is why they're, they're so complicated. And that is why people for decades have just been told you can't change the SOFA because there are five entities involved. So the problem with the status of forces agreement is that there has, that there has been no clear information on what the impacts to the family or not are. And so that has allowed a lot of interpretation at the lowest level. That has allowed a lot of like, well, when families did start coming over, you know, um, to these overseas assignments, spouses did not work. 
And so then it sort of perpetuated, well, you can't work because of the sofa. I want to be really clear to all the listeners. Nowhere in the status of forces agreement, anywhere does it prevent employment, full stop, period. What has happened is that lack of, it's, it doesn't say I can, so I can't, is what has been perpetuated by JAG, by local host nations, by everyone at DOD. When, it, when what we should have been doing this whole time is saying, it doesn't say I can't, so I can, I just need to figure out how that works. Um, so we can, I, I'll go over sort of what I've been doing since then to find that level of clarity. But I've, if any of our listeners have been to um, Belgium, Germany, Italy, notorious, the level of fear mongering from those countries, for example, in Italy, it was, you were told, if you work, your sofa status will be revoked and your access to the installation will be revoked and you may get sent home. And so, of course, you're like, oh, I, sh I don't want to like ruin my service members orders. I don't want to leave my family. And without any proof of saying, show me where it says that we all just were told that and believed it to our core, um, which I will caveat and say none of that is true. We just didn't have the language to disprove it. So moving forward, 2013, I PCS to Germany. So a decade ago, I PCS to Germany. I'm told I can't work because of the status of forces agreement. I get over there. I call my congressional rep from the state of Washington. I call both senators and I say, I don't know if you understand what this sofa thing is, but this is ruining military families' lives. And like, nobody cares, right? You're, I'm one pissed off military spouse. No one cares. So then I start to go to every JAG office in the country of Germany and I say, show me in the sofa where it says I can't work. And nobody can show me. All they can say is like, well, German tax laws and like they blame it on like the German tax system, but nobody can show me where it says I can't work. So I say, screw the system. And I start my own business called Serving Talent. And it is a staffing agency that is aimed directly at employing military and foreign service spouses overseas. It is, it is putting a megaphone on this problem. And more importantly, it is highlighting how fucking awesome our community is because we were able to collect enough resumes and get the data to say how many advanced degrees we had, how many languages we spoke, how many security clearances we have. And then I could take that to employers and say, look at what you're missing out on. Um, so, so from overseas, I just started saying, this problem is hard, but it doesn't mean we can't fix it. And I'm not gonna just let you tell me no, that is just not how I operate. Um, so I was three years in Germany and then went immediately to Korea, continued sort of the same journey of like, this isn't right, this isn't fair. When I came back to the States five years later in 2018, um, I started working with Blue Star Families to build out their military spouse employment. And if your listeners don't know what Blue Star Families is, they're the largest military family nonprofit in the country. They um, do a lot of good work in informing the NDAA. They do a lot of good work on informing White House policy and legislation around military families. So finally, I was no longer Beth Conlon, the pissed off angry spouse trying to burn down the sofa. I was now the director of workforce development for Blue Star Families trying to burn down the sofa. So we were starting to get more traction and more people to listen to us. Um, and, and again, it was just the same message of like, just, just provide clarity. I'm not asking you to renegotiate a, a tri-agency dual country agreement. I'm not. I just want the clarity that says what the regulations are around spouses working. So fast forward to um, last summer, I went to the Bush Institute as a presidential scholar. And my platform was SOFA. It was building a SOFA coalition to help clarify it. And then the summer of 2023, 
Italy, the most notorious country for being difficult and fear-mongering, um, in conjunction with the State Department, um, did what they're calling, a, with the very official title of the exchanging of letters, where Italy and the US um, put in black and white what it meant to be employed while in Italy with a US company. They answered everything about remote work, about the type of work, about you know the, using the mail system overseas, about collecting payment, about taxes. All of that to say that clearly there was a military spouse involved in that somewhere because no one would have known, thought to ask the 56 FAQs that they have um, in that super clear exchanging of letters that now has opened the floodgates for families in Europe. Um, so, so that's one good thing that happened this summer was the exchanging of letters. Another thing was the Biden administration on June 9th, they put out a military spouse or military family um, bill that included military spouse employment to include a provision in there saying that the status of forces agreement needs to be clarified. And then finally in August, part of my project with the Bush Institute was in building a SOFA coalition. I got in with the American Bar Association. Um, they have a pro bono committee called the Legal Assistance for Military Personnel, the LAMP committee. Um, I presented them the problem about the lack of clarity around the status of forces agreement. They took up my resolution, drafted a resolution saying the American Bar Association urges DOD to make this clear. These are the repercussions for military families. This is solvable, we need language. The entirety of the American Bar Association adopted that resolution. So now it is in black and white. There is legal guidance from the American Bar Association to provide clarity on the status of forces agreement. So there was lots of movement in the summer of 2023, but mind you, that was a decade from when I started standing on desks and lighting matches and saying, I'm gonna burn this fucking thing down because this is ruining people's lives. Initially, when you got to, uh, was it Italy, Germany? Germany. When you got to Germany and you were told you couldn't work, what was going on inside? Because I'm wired like you, work matters, work is important. And to not have something to focus on, if you're not, you know, a mother or, you know, if you don't have anything else, you just maybe, you know, have a spouse when he's home, not working. And then you go from that, you know, full-time, very demanding job to nothing. It was a hard drop for me. So what was it like for you? I, so like a little bit of an extra salt in the wound. Um, as soon as we got to Germany, about six days later, my spouse deployed with no warning. So now I'm in a foreign country all alone. And had I known he was going to deploy, I would have just stayed in Rhode Island and worked, but I didn't, I, none, we did not know. Um, so I spent the, I think he caught the, the, he let, he left a little late. So I spent the nine months he was gone just seething, like angry, um, again, making phone calls to my congressional reps and senators, trying to, trying to figure out like, why can't I work? Um, I was, the company I was working for was a global entity. So I was talking to their Munich office about trying to figure out how to hire me, like screw the sofa, let's figure this out. But ultimately what was the worst part of it when, when my husband came home after nine months, I said to him, I like no offense to anybody that likes to stay at home. I do not. And I said to him, I cannot be your wifey. I, that is not what I am. That is not what I do. I cannot just follow you around and take care of you. You're a grown ass man. My professional identity matters. And so I said in that moment, I said, either you leave the army or I have to leave this family. And to this day that like chokes me up because military families should not have to have that conversation because they are put in a situation due to no fault of their own that is jeopardized to somebody's professional identity like full stop. 
And the fact that I had to have that conversation is really what fuels my passion. And the fact that like, we went from two incomes to one like that. And we don't have kids, so we were okay, but I cannot imagine a family going from two incomes to one and trying to support their children. Like we have to do better. We have to do better. And the good news is we can do better. It's just about getting the information out there to understand what the sofa does and does not affect. I've had the same conversation with my spouse um, and it's a really hard conversation to have. Uh, My version was, I'm not meant to be a little wife. Like, um, you know, I'm, I'm capable of so much more than this. And if you want that, that's amazing. And I support you. But when you don't want that, when that's forced on you, there is nothing worse than that. And so I'm curious, how did your relationship move forward from there? Because, um, you know, my spouse and I are in a a great place right now, but you know, those are hard words to say to, to your partner. He, you know, um, he loves to say, I knew who you were when I married you. Um, and so he was in full support of, of, you know, whatever I could, however he could help me, you know, get to the bottom of the sofa he was open to. Right. So in, in those early moments, when he came home, there were, there was just a lot of tears and frustration. And he, he understood, he was like, I just don't know what to say. Like, of course, I don't want you to leave this marriage, but I'm also not going to in the position to leave the army right now. So like, we have to figure this out. So I start, you know, I started doing things to fill my time. I volunteered a lot. I also, um, I opened a CrossFit gym, which opening a gym in a foreign country, like it wasn't mine. It was my two German friends gym, but they didn't know how to coach. And I was a personal trainer and a coach. And so they opened it. And then I just ran all the programming and ran all the classes. So, you know, it was fun in hindsight, but like, when you look at my resume, I went from like C-suite to personal trainer to small business marketing back up to C-suite to CrossFit coach for five years and then to a nonprofit. Right. So like my resume looks like a disaster. Um, however, I will say, I often talk to military spouses about how to leverage their background when, um, highlighting their professional story. And rather than say what I just said, my background looks like a disaster. I encourage them to sort of pull either the common thread through it or highlight their vast expertise and why that makes them a Jack or Jane of all trades and how that is such a benefit to the employer. Um, and I truly do believe that. I'm just frustrated that I had to, I had to just take a kick to the gut for five straight years being overseas when I, when I now know it didn't have to be that way. Absolutely. And, you know, looking at your LinkedIn experience to me, it it screams military spouse. And what I like about what you have done and for, you know, for the military spouses in the audience and for those employers, I mean, look at what Beth is doing today. And if you would look at her resume and say, well, she's just a personal trainer or she's just a, a, a volunteer, you've taken that volunteer work, which is work and put it on your, in your LinkedIn experience. As, as work experience, because it is work experience. Just because you weren't able to be paid for it doesn't mean that it's not experience. And I tell military spouses that all the time. I had a, a seven-year paid work gap in my resume, um, moving around, just as, as you described, trying to find those jobs. I am really um, amazed at what you've done because all I did was with took my SOFA passport and did what I could to work within the system. And you said, the system is broken. Let's burn it down. I I love that. So being able to maintain that professional identity through volunteer times, through any opportunity that you can take to grow professionally, add that in on your resume. It just makes you a better employee. I can walk into a room and if somebody speaks German, I can speak a little bit. 
If somebody speaks Japanese, I'll do a little bit of that too, right? I can relate to most people when I walk in a room because of that experience. So don't discount it. Look at Beth go. I love it. Yeah, I I couldn't, I can't like foot stomp what you just said enough, in particular about the volunteer work. And like, don't separate it out on your resume. Don't put like professional work, volunteer work. It's experience, full stop. I don't care if you were not paid or if you were paid in cookies. Like, it's experience. I love that. And that's making me rethink how I'm going to, you know, approach my resume moving forward. I just looked and were you in uh, Korea in 2016, 2017? We were there at the same time. Did you have a CrossFit gym? I ran the CrossFit gym on post. Okay. So I was, um, I was going to one in Suwon. So probably just South. So I just think that's so funny. Like what a small world. Did you do girl fit? Uh, no. Oh, we did this like local CrossFit competition with like, we went to Suwon and it's called girl fit. And it was, you know, it was female only competition. It was so fun. The first year our team was called lipstick and pistols because we were all really good at those one-legged squats. Yeah. It was great. It was fun. Tiny, tiny, tiny world. Yeah. So look at this conversation, right? These two people have never met one another, but they have something in common. And if you drop a military spouse who's who's been around for for five years or for 23 years, you're going to be able to to find that connection within your company and, and with your clients as well. So my my pitchfork is here and it's ready now that I know about Sofa. How do I help you burn it down? What is next? Um, I know lots of angry spouses. We're here for you to write letters, to burn effigies. What do you need? So I want, what I need um, from this audience is to understand one very simple thing, and I will explain it. The status of forces agreement should not be the thing that prevents you from working, full stop. It says nothing in the SOFA about employment, period. So we uh, we are now in a position to just dispel decades worth of like fear mongering and old wives tales um, and take ownership of our careers. So here's how that works, um, caveat. I can get real nerdy about corporate tax law. Uh, I will try and not do that. Um, I'll try and just keep it super, super simple, but I might, if I start going down a rabbit hole, just like wave your hands. Um, Okay, so here's how you maintain your employment when you're going overseas. If your employer has a presence in the country, just ask them, hey, can you support me when I go to whatever country? And you'll have to go through some, you know, HR stuff and some tax stuff and some payroll stuff, Um, but, if your employer has a presence in that country, they probably can support you. So start the conversation early because you also have to consider like work visas and the like. Um, So all of that to say, you need to start, regardless of if your employer has a presence or not, start the conversation early. Um, If your employer doesn't have a presence in that country, ask them anyway, because they, they might have some sort of a reciprocal agreement with either us or, you know, a neighboring country or something. Um, Bottom line, ask your employer. And don't, the sofa isn't anything that you need to worry about. It is literally, can you support me if I move to England? Um, And again, you'll have to do tax and payroll things. um, But if they have a presence in that country, it should be no problem. Now, here's where I think things get a little bit muddy. A lot of people think that by going overseas on military orders, that's just like working in the U.S. And it is not. There are corporate tax laws that have nothing to do with your orders at all. Um, That is the reason why you can't just go to a foreign country and get paid in U.S. dollars and not think that there's going to be any tax violations there. Now, do some people do that? They do. They just don't say a word. They're a remote employee and they just take their job with them and nobody says anything. But 
if larger corporations, the reason they don't do that is because there are tax penalties involved there. So if you move to Japan, you're going to have to get paid in yen and get taxed on the Japanese tax system. If you move to Germany, you're going to have to get paid in euros and get taxed in the German tax system. But here's the thing. Every one of these countries has a tax reciprocity treaty in place with us. I will use Europe. I don't know much about Asia. Europe has a five-year tax treaty. So if you are stationed in Europe for less than five years, when you leave, you can apply to get all of your social security taxes back. That's important because the tax rate in European countries is about 35 to 45%. It's much, much, much higher than in the US. So that's a lot of money. You won't be able to get your income taxes back, but any social security taxes that would pay for like hospitals and roadways and schools, you can get back because their social security taxes are intended for you as the, as the lifetime that you live there, you weren't there a lifetime. Um, so there are ways to maintain your career recoup the financial um, differences that you're going to experience, but you have to ask your employer early to get that process started and just trust me and talk to your employer about it. The sofa is not the thing preventing you from working full stop. It's your employer's ability to support you overseas. Do you know any cases of uh, the doomsday actually happening of a spouse being deported and sent back? Has that ever happened because she was or he, sorry, we're working in violation no. of rule. <laughs> no, the only thing, and there's an article I think in Military Times about it, the only like doomsday scenario that happened was in Germany. And the, the German tax system was taxing, I think it was six, maybe three. I think it was six service members was taxing their military pay um, in US and Germany. So their pay was cut by like 66%. And it took like 12 years to rectify it. Um, but that was all because like there was there was some glitch in the matrix with the tax system over there. Um, the German tax finansamp is what it's called. Um, they've also threatened to knock on your door and collect tax money if they find out you're working, which also just isn't true. Like that's just not how any of that works. Um, I've not heard of anyone getting it's called e-rotted an early return of dependent. Um, I've not heard of anyone getting e-rotted because of employment. The literal only scenario that's actually come to fruition is this tax one. Now, I will say I work for Amazon. We're a global company. We have had military spouses go to Germany and tell their boss, hey, I'm on SOFA status. It's fine. It's just like the Military Spouse Residency Relief Act. So I'm a Washington state resident, but I live in Georgia. So I'm taxed in Washington, which has no taxes. Um, and so they'll tell their boss, it's just like that, and which sounds like it makes sense. So we've had spouses in Germany pay, getting paid in US dollars. And then when our tax team finds out about it, they have like a full on stroke because there are, there are so many violations there. Now we've been able to correct it and fix it and get it all figured out, but not without a lot of financial pain for that military spouse that you know went was living in Germany for the last year and a half getting paid in US dollars. So again, all of that to say, talk to your employer about their ability to support you on an overseas assignment. And the SOFA is not the thing um, that should be preventing you from working. And I wanna say to really stay tuned to that specific bit of language about the SOFA not being the thing to prevent you from working, um, there will be some very, very, very clear language on that coming out soon um, that I will happily blast from the mountaintops as soon as I get my hands on it. What would you, so if a company wants to be military spouse ready, I'm, I'm looking at being proactive. So 
how would you, if, if you were to direct a company, hey, I want to be military spouse ready. I want to have a policy or procedure uh, in place so that when this happens to one of our military spouse employees who I want to take care of, I have that in place. How would you suggest they go about doing that? There's two things you can do. So one, it, again, if you are an international organization and you already have um, entities in other countries uh, that, that add, put your military spouses right to that same process. However, it is that you are currently supporting employees overseas, samesies all the way, total samesies. Um, so add that. If you are um, an employer that does not have a presence internationally, um, this, I, again, I can get super nerdy. I will try and keep this high level. Um, there are various reciprocity agreements between the U.S. and specific countries. So if you are so inclined as an employer, you can check the Social Security International Reciprocity um, tax laws. It's super, super simple. If you just literally Google like Social Security Reciprocity Germany, it, it ha like it's kind of an idiot proof chart that will tell you if you are a resident of this country, but live in this country, where the hell do you pay your taxes? Um, in that chart, you can also file to be a non-entity, meaning I am a small CPA firm in the US. I do not have a footprint outside of the US. I do not have customers outside of the US. Therefore, I do not affect the economy in Germany. So you can apply to be like a non-impacted entity, which then would remove your tax status. All, you know, all of this is, there's a lot of tax braininess that happens here, but it, there are ways to support OCONUS employees if you have if there's the right reciprocity between our two countries and if your employer is willing to do sort of that pre-tax legwork. There's also law firms that you can consult too to help with that. The Military Spouse Juris Doctorate Network, MSJDN, um, they are a fantastic organization. You could reach out to them to have them help you with what that looks like. Um, Politori Law, he's a military spouse, Tim Politori. And his law firm has also um, worked on SOFA issues. Um, there, there's a, a couple law firms out of Texas that I was working with the Bar Association that was helping on this. So there is, you know, this isn't a foreign concept to most, um, but if you are a small employer, it, I would say it would probably be a little hard or intimidating to go it alone. Um, so I would, you know, reach out to some, for some legal support to make sure you're doing everything correct. Because the last thing you want to do is like send an employee to Belgium where, you know, the tax reciprocity is maybe different than their neighbors next door and mess it up. And now you have all these tax liabilities that you weren't aware of. So, but again, it's all, it's all possible. And the SOFA is not the thing that should be preventing the employment. So for those military spouses too, who are looking at those overseas orders, you can take the initiative and bring that information to your employer as well. Bring these resources in, consult the professionals, and we'll absolutely include links to all of these organizations that Beth is recommending here in the show notes. I have a very serious question, Beth. Yes, ma'am. We best friends. Oh my God, please. I am obsessed with you. I, well, I have one caveat. Do you like dogs? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Like dogs. Okay. All right. So, we're, so I'm in. That was the right answer. Yeah. Yeah. We're friends. Joanna likes dogs too. So we're going to. Oh, then we're all friends. Yeah. 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 If, you, if, you, if you like dogs and you don't mind cussing, um, I'm your girl. Also, on that note, my I just went on a girl's trip. My friend got me this thing. It's this little tin and it says sweary affirmations. So yesterday's affirmation was keep fucking going. Today's affirmation is rise and fucking sway. 
which are so valuable for spouses who are. So every morning I just pull one of these out and they are sweary. So if you are sensitive to sweariness, maybe don't get these, but otherwise sweary affirmations. That's how military spouses, career-minded military spouses support one another with sweary affirmations. Our first episode was make shit happen. So we're, we're all about uh, throwing a swear word in there. And I have read articles that say, if you swear, you may be a little bit more intelligent than, than I've read those too. I can't, you can't, can't, it's in writing. You can't deny it. I've read one that says, if you swear, people like you more because they think that you are like trusting them with like inappropriate behavior. And they're like, oh, wow. So I, I think maybe that's why I'm obsessed with you. It's because you're manipulating me with your swear words, but I'm here for it. Um, what resources for military spouses do you just like sing from the rooftops? What, what are your go-tos? So the, right now there's not a, a super streamlined collection of resources, but for your military spouses who own a business, um, side note, I'm the board chair of the Mill Spouse Chamber of Commerce. Um, so if you are a military spouse-owned business, one, you should register with the, Com- the Chamber of Commerce because it's free and you get tons of resources. But we created a toolkit on Military OneSource that walks you through how to maintain your business through any PCS. So that's helpful if you are a military spouse business owner, Military OneSource, just like go to their search bar and type military uh, uh, entrepreneurship toolkit is what it's called. Um then for understanding the status of forces agreement, um, there are, there have actually been some really, really good articles lately in the military times that kind of really walk you through like what's been so hard, why has this not been solved? And then what's the reality of it? So those articles are good. Um, I will share with you all to put in the show notes, the link to the resolution from the American Bar Association. It is a bit like legal easy. And if you were to be a lay person and read it, you'd be like, so what? Um, but it is, it, there is some validity there. Like if the bar association supports this, then it's sort of like four out of five dentists, you know, approve, uh, approve crest. It's sort of like, well, shoot, if four out of five do, then I should probably shoot too. Um, so that I can share that. And they can also share the um, presidential um, executive order that came out on June 9th with that language as well. All of that to say, it is just arming our spouses with information that the SOFA needs clarity, that the SOFA is not the thing blocking employment. And then for the final bit of like, put this in writing in black and white, I'm going to unfortunately have to tease the audience and say, just stay tuned. But there will be some really helpful resources coming out um, that I promise you, I will shout from the rooftops and share with anyone I can to make sure we get this in front of all of our families. Because at the end of the day, families need information to make good decisions. And when you're pressed with an overseas assignment, sometimes that's exciting, sometimes that's terrifying. And we need to make sure families have all the information necessary to understand if they should be excited or terrified. Because right now they're mostly just terrified because they don't have the right information. I agree. I, I think in uh, in our marriage, the only two times I've said the D word were when we moved overseas and we're hanging out in a hotel uh, with three children and sitting there for for several months without a driver's license. So I uh, I agree. Like having at least maintaining employment, being able to maintain your job and have that sense of normalcy while you're trying to figure out where you're going to live and learning a, a new culture, all of those things would make this huge lifestyle change that much easier it really would I I really do appreciate that and non-military families experience dual incomes at a much higher rate than military families do military families average salary is also less than your average 
a non-military family. So to say that military families make less money and experience dual incomes at a lower rate is to say joining the military is a financial disadvantage, which isn't fair or right. Um, and, and again, these are hard problems. It doesn't mean they're not solvable. Uh, we, I think we are finally now just, we're turning the tide with the right types of leadership who, you know, the leaders that we have in those positions now, their spouses also wanted to work, right? The leaders we had even five years ago, were they grew up in a military where spouses didn't work. And that tide is slowly changing with this specific generation of leaders and definitely the ones after them, where they're going to demand the ability for families to experience dual incomes, or they're just not going to recruit the types of service members they want. Because let's face it, high performers marry high performers. And so if you have a high performing service member, you have a high performing spouse, neither one of them should have to give up their career. Amen. Yeah. Right. I mean that, yeah, I, we both were started frantically writing down quotes, uh, <laughs> financial disadvantage. That feels so true right here. <laughs> Yeah. Rich, Catherine, did you register your business with the Military Special Chamber of Commerce? Not yet. This is on my to-do list. Oh, well, we, ha we have a very rigorous approval process because we, we need to make sure we have like validity. And when we say these are certified military spouse owned, if someone wants to go poke a hole in it, we can say, try, go for it. Love that. So it is very rigorous. So people take it serious. Well, now that my best friend has told me I need to do this, I'm, I'm going to hop to it and get right on <laughs> right, it. I told you you need to do it before too, but Joanna, you can replace. Okay. That's okay. I've been, I've been replaced. All right. Uh, next week, join us for the Lurking Spouse Club with Beth Conlon and Catherine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, is there anything that we've missed? I mean, bottom line, burn down sofa. Uh, is there anything that we've missed that you'd like to, to tell the audience? Your voice matters. So if you are um, impacted, have been, might be impacted by the status of forces agreement, call your congressional reps and both of your senators and let them know that the SOFA is an unnecessary barrier to military financial security and that they need to do something about it. Your, vo it, your voice does matter. I promise you it does. Um, I would also say, pass it along. If you're hearing this podcast and hearing for the first time that the SOFA shouldn't be the thing that prevents you from maintaining employment, share that. Share that with your other military spouses. Share this podcast with them so they can hear about it. Share the links in these show notes so they can go look at it on their own. Um, but your voice matters. So don't, don't, don't sit in frustrated silence. Nobody likes that. And for those of you who've moved around so many times that you can't remember uh, where you're resident of, we will have a link in the notes to find all of your representatives um, so that you can write those write those letters. Exactly. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us for the Working Spouse Club. We look forward to bringing you a new guest each week as we explore the world of military spouse employment. Thanks so much for joining us on today's episode of The Working Spouse Club. As always, if you'd like to learn more about today's guest and what we discussed, check out our episode notes. You'll find links there. You'll also find a link to Joanna's website, Green Zone Corporate Training. She's here to help you attract, hire, and retain military-connected staff, and she's fabulous at it. As well as a link to my website, The Spouse Solution. I'm here for you when it comes to direct hire placement of mid to senior level military spouses. Joanna and I would love to hear from you. So if you have any thoughts, feel free to send them over to us. LinkedIn is a great place for that. 
If you're interested in joining us for an episode to talk about your professional journey as a military spouse, don't be shy in reaching out. And if you're an employer interested in hiring from this amazing community and want to talk about that as well, we'd love to connect with you. Be on the lookout for our next episode. We're looking forward to sharing another great guest with you soon.